So we're in Mesa, right? We are in Mesa. Gosh, I'm excited to be here. Mesa, Arizona, <laughs> the, the hottest part of the year too, man. That's what's crazy. <laughs> we are burning up in there. If you're gonna come, come at the worst part. Yeah. Experience if it. If you're full. gonna do it, just do it. Yeah. Do it. Do it. Do it right. It's right. hard to do in a motorhome too, because it seems to never just cool down. <laughs> Dude, this is crazy. Yeah. Everyone, first off, welcome to Think Like a Star. We're not on the bus, but we are in Mesa. And uh, this isn't actually your place, but uh, thanks for letting us come over here and hang out. Yeah, thanks for coming. Dude, this is crazy. We literally excited, met like a week ago. We had, yep. a, we, had a, we started texting. Yep. Was, it, was it been a week? Yeah. 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 We I, met through a mutual friend, Bob Solomon, who's the author yeah. of uh, Beyond the Laces children's book. And, yeah. And uh, it's uh, I'm excited, man, and now because we're here. you're you're big time. And celeb, now we're, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to keep up with you, dude. No, that was so fun to have you come to the show the other night and it was a blast. and meet the rest of the guys and see what we're doing. And I've been so excited that probably the most frustrating thing thus far is that we've been talking and then dinner the other night. But I'm like, don't tell me. I want to save. I want to hear your story, but I want to wait till we're we're rolling and we can share yeah. it with other people. So yeah. I'm excited. So you were saying that you grew up out here. Yeah, I was actually born in Mesa, and when yes. I was three months old, my family moved to Southern California. That's right. And then when I was 14, I moved back here uh, to Mesa and went to high school here in junior college. Okay. At what point did you know you were all in for baseball? Or did it start off as just fun, like, like most kids? Did you have a parent that was really pushing you uh, aggressively into it, or was it just kind of fell into it for yeah, you. Yeah, I think at four years old, man. You know, you know how Out it is. Out here when, in Arizona, I no, feel like it is. I mean, it just, uh, as a kid, it's, it's not pressed, but it's, I love sports. I yeah. love baseball. I played baseball in baseball season and soccer in soccer season. Okay, yeah. I wasn't super, super talented. Okay. But uh, I just loved it. I think sports was my out. If I didn't have sports, uh, I always say I'd probably be in jail or dead or alcoholic yeah. or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. it's, it's a constructive way to. It's awesome. Yeah. Save my life. Yeah. Did you have a, so I have an older brother. He actually lives out here in Chandler and my brother's nine years older than me, Luke. And, um, <laughs> he basically just kicked my butt my whole life. It never let me win anything. I remember one time I beat him in ping pong. I was maybe like <laughs> nine or 10 and he kept me up all night until I would play him again. And he beat me so that he could, you know, end up. but that was maybe the only time. And it was, I don't know how I beat him. It was from sure pure luck, yeah, yeah. but knocking me down when I was learning to walk, he would roll um, a basketball at me and knock me over like a bowling pin. And honestly, best thing that could happen to me because it made me tough. And I, I got to see him be like the star uh, basketball player mm -hmm. in our little town. Um, and so I remember going to the games and he'd hit the three pointers and we, we get big crowds, even yeah. though it's a small place yeah. because there's yeah. nothing else to yeah. do there. So it'd be like 3,000, 4,000 people at, at a high school basketball that's game. Awesome. Um, so that was like so exciting. So for me, that's one thing that really motivated me. And I played soccer too, um, in, in baseball, but I was left-handed second baseman. So that, that didn't last <laughs> long. But, um, were you only child or? I have two older brothers. Oh, perfect. So you, you're explaining it? my middle brother okay, to the okay. T and we so, shared rooms yeah. and he's six, four and a half. Yeah. And it's just like, I, it just, you described me to the T. Yeah. The same thing. Yeah. And <laughs> you know the song Toby, uh, Toby Keith sings, though? How do Which you like one? me now? How do you like me now? Yeah. Because yeah. athletically, they might have been kicking your butt then, but it worked They're out like, a little better for be you. It must be nice. must be nice doing this. And now it's like, y'all had the same opportunities as me, yeah. dude, but yeah. I worked when yeah. you were partying, you know what I mean? Yeah. So they, they do that same thing, which, which was amazing for my developmental stages mm -hmm. to get to where I was. I had, obviously, when I was a kid, I never knew I was going to get and achieve what I did achieve. But, yeah. but through that, and then all of a sudden, I'm super big star, whatever, playing. And they're like, hey, can you help me out? I was like, really, dude? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you were with, the, with me shooting in the gym. I'll help you get a house, dude. But remember yeah. that time? Dude? Yeah, I'm, I'm not happy about it. 
<laughs> so, um, what what are your brothers up to now? Are they in Arizona still? Family? I have one brother, my oldest brother Brian. Uh, he's in Arizona here. He's okay. a DPS officer, highway okay. patrolman. Oh, very cool. And uh, my middle brother Eric, the one I was describing, he's in Utah. He's a he's a geek nerd. He's okay. a programmer, oh, he's uh, designer, it. all that stuff. That's yeah, a great, he's super that's rich, a great, dude. Yeah, but, that's a great career but, these uh, days. Yeah, that's yeah. amazing. So. You mentioned something, um, and you know my story um, from the other Amazing. night. Um, with, you know, like you said, 10,000 hours, like we were talking earlier. For you, you, you said you worked, did you have a pretty insane work ethic? And Without a doubt. What did that look like for you? I had that why I just wanted to be at the top, you know? And I remember uh, at my house in Mesa when I was high school, it's just down the street from here, uh, I would just scrounge around the backyard and look for a PVC pipe, like irrigation pipe, and get a bed sheet. Mm-hmm. And I'd eat supper real quick inside, and I'd be outside and just be hitting the ball into that bed sheet. Mm-hmm. Just be hitting it off the tee, just hit it, hitting yeah, it. And my yeah. dad would peek out the door and be like laughing at me, oh, whatever, dude. They're like, well, you ain't buying me a net or something like that. So yeah, you know, it's like I mean, Rocky. Yeah, when he's, when yeah he, the dude. guy's got the high I should have had the chickens, man. I didn't yeah, have the chickens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you had the chickens, you could have been good. But isn't that funny? Because there's so many ways to make excuses um, for like, oh, I don't have the right equipment. I don't have the nice fancy shoes. Like, that's another funny thing. And uh, my buddy Rob will laugh at this because he always has the coolest, nicest shoes. Mm-hmm. And I should have probably been more into that as a basketball player but I lose like I always one we didn't really have a lot of money but two um, like I just like functionality like I had the same shoes and I'd wear them and they feel good on my feet yep. and uh, and I, it was all about like oh I'm just gonna go out and, and dribble and play and I don't care if you got fancier expensive shoes like I'm gonna beat you because I spent more hours in the gym that's it and that was you it, that's you, it. Know, you didn't need the net you didn't need now they have the I think what's it called swing away where you hit it and it goes I around think they have stuff for the yeah. yeah they'll swing it for you now yeah 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 you don't even have to do it <laughs> It's a different time, man. It's insane now. It's how a it different is, time. Yeah, that's how it was. And I mean, I would always be outside. I'd always be outside playing. I'd always be outside. You know, that's what I try to preach to the kids and, and, and everybody I speak to is like, yeah. every successful person, there's only one thing in common. Or two, actually. Yeah, yeah. They believe in themselves. Yeah. Right? They're on and their own work. team. You got to work hard. Yeah. You got to work hard. And, and that's what's hard nowadays with the kids with sports and stuff like that because the technology and the coaching and all this other stuff. The money and everything that's going on with the, the sports industry, yeah. uh, it's taking the love out of the game for the kids. Yeah. I remember sitting in the dentist chair after school one day, and I knew I had practice that night at 4, 4.30, and I, had, I was in a dentist chair at 3. And I look out in Southern California where it never rains, and it starts raining. Yeah. And I was like, no way. Like, I'm tearing up, and the dentist thought yeah, it was, yeah, like, yeah. hurting my teeth. I was like, no, yeah. dude, we ain't practicing I might today. not get to practice. <laughs> yeah. I so truly love the Practice game. was canceled, dude, so I just go on the side of the house, and in the rain, just throw the ball against the wall. Yeah. You know what I mean? I just always active, always active, uh, ADHD, OCD, whatever that is yeah, yeah, yeah. that they're trying to take I I away. Yeah. You have to have it. Yeah. Every successful person has yeah, it. And they're yeah. trying to take it away still. in schools. Yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's just, it's just, it has to become an obsession to get to the top. Yeah. yeah. At what point did you start to have success as a baseball player or know like, okay, like I'm, I'm pretty good at this and this, I might be able to make a living or go to college or that kind of thing. Was it early on or? Junior college. Junior college. So you didn't even go to like a major like baseball school. I wasn't good enough. Yeah. You didn't make any I was the number one soccer player in Arizona. Really? The state of Arizona, best soccer player. I had had opportunities to go play at division one universities and I had opportunities actually to play in Europe. Mm -hmm. But uh, my dream as a kid was to play baseball. Mm -hmm. I was on the side of the house throwing a baseball against the wall. I wasn't kicking the soccer ball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love soccer. I love different sports, but I was always with the baseball. I don't know why. It Mm -hmm. just... uh, that's how it was. That's crazy. And I walked like, on at the junior yeah. college. Yeah. And the only reason why I made the team is because my work ethic. I was the first guy there and the last guy to leave every single day. Hmm. And I just worked and worked. So when everybody else was partying, I was working, saying it's too hot. 
Yeah. I was working. You yeah. know, I'd ride my bike 15 miles to the school and, and work out, and then people would offer to write, give me a ride home in a pickup truck or whatever. I was like, no, I, I got I to gotta ride my bike home. Yeah. Because I'm not training my body, I'm training my mind. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah. uh, it's just an obsession, so, uh, which every, you know, you can relate, right? Yeah. It's oh, just, yeah, I mean, it's it, just, and, and just I wasn't me. that good. Yeah. It, it's, it's so funny because I've been getting to talk to a lot of amazing people, even just in the last couple of weeks, and I was thinking about right now, uh, like an NBA all-star, a uh, current NFL player, um, like very successful business people. And really, it's all so similar. And so it can be so simple. We like to complicate things. And I love learning mm -hmm. like the Tony Robbins stuff that we're talking and these cutting edge success principles. But really, it just comes down to wanting something, loving it, and working harder than everyone else, you know, That's and treating it. people good. That's but it. but it's like it's I see so many similar things in these people who have gone different ways, ath athletics, but also just business and, and nonprofits mm -hmm. these things. And so it's so cool. So here's my question for you: um, Did you ever get a point where you're like lost the passion? Because I know for me in college, a few times it was like this is, has become a job. Junior college, I didn't even go to college. I yeah, wanted yeah. to go to Arizona State, but I wasn't good enough. Yeah. Uh, but junior college was my last time I really had fun. So, okay, so yeah, so I want, to, I want to hear your story. I know, so we're at, right now at this point, we're in junior college, mm -hmm. and, um, and you outworked everyone, and you're doing well. So where did it go from there? See, see what happened is it, it happened just a little bit before that. Uh, and, and we can breeze through it, but yeah, the, yeah, yeah, this no. is what I use uh, to go around and speak and share mm -hmm. my story because a lot of the stories that these, uh, the youth, as you can see, uh, are telling themselves isn't the true story yes. of what they really are. The story that they're writing for themselves yeah. is they're and ingraining in their, in, their, yes. in their belief system mm -hmm. uh, at the subconscious level. So uh, my story is, it starts out as uh, I'm 14 years old and I'm sitting on my bed and mm -hmm. my dad walks into my room. And he proceeds to tell me that he's going to uproot our family from beautiful Southern California mm -hmm. to the hot desert of Arizona. Mm -hmm. And as my dad left the room that day at 14 years old, and this was between junior high and high school, ninth grade and the sophomore year of high school. Like, okay. these are big time, like years. youth, adolescents, years. Yeah. So as I reluctantly left all my friends that summer before my sophomore year of high school to move to the middle of Arizona in the desert in the middle of summer, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I decided to become a little achiever through athletics. Hmm. So I put my head down and I worked and I worked and I worked. And by the time I was 20 years old, I had already become the number one soccer player in high school. Hmm. And that's just because I worked and I loved it. Yeah, because yeah, Southern yeah. California has soccer, it's huge. What position were you? Forward. Okay, so you were yeah. in goals. I was loved. Yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah, loved, yeah, I yeah. loved being that's forward. That's the fun one, yeah. And then, and then after that, I walked on at the junior college here, Mesa Community College. Mm -hmm. And I, I quickly became the number one baseball player in the state of Arizona. Hmm. And, uh, and that's it, like age, age 20. Age 20, 20 right now. before okay. 20, 19 years old, okay. 20 years old. And then uh, w with that being said, I was drafted by the Boston Red Sox hmm. in the 10th round. Like that was my dream to be a, as a child to be a professional athlete. Yeah. At, so, at 20? At 20 years at 20 old. 20 years old, yeah. you're now a major so, league player. Yeah. No, it was a minor leagues. Minor leagues, okay. So, yeah. so you start in the minor leagues. Yeah. But uh, growing up in Southern California, uh, I was a diehard Dodger fan. And when yeah. you're a diehard Dodger fan in the 1980s, yeah, yeah. you show up in the third inning, you leave in the seventh inning, and you listen to Vince Scully on the radio. Yes, so you yes. can be traffic. Because yes, you don't yes. want to get in traffic. Oh, yeah, yeah, we know because baseball is cool, but it ain't that cool. Yeah, 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 right? yeah. So I, would, I, I always remember myself at the top of the stadium when I was a young kid. And, and uh, just looking down, I really didn't care about the players. Uh, I'd have my nachos in one hand, my chocolate malt in the other hand. Maybe a Dodger dog? Uh, I never had a Dodger dog. Really? I, I had one when I was in the big leagues, but I never had one when I was a kid. It's nachos. You know, you, when you're... Do you those 
garlic fries over there that they got? No. Oh, no. So the garlic nachos fries are pretty good. And, and malt, chocolate malt. Okay, okay, That's okay. it. That was your yeah. thing. That was your thing. So I'd, I'd listen to the crack of the bat, the smell of the grass, the aroma, it, the, the sound so of the bus, the stadium. Baseball. And I'd, I'd, I'd engage all my senses to make it become tangible, mm -hmm. my dream, because I wanted to be down there one day. So with that being said, the reason I tell you that is mm -hmm. because when I got drafted by the Red Sox in college, mm -hmm. right, I tell all my friends and everybody else around me that I got drafted by the White Sox. <laughs> Not the same team. My friends were like, dude, what are you talking about White Sox? You yeah, got yeah. drafted by the Red Sox, Yeah, yeah, dude. get your color right. Like, seriously, dude? Like, you, like, <laughs> you didn't even know. Like, I didn't even know, I, I didn't even know who the Sox were. I was a yeah. Dodger fan, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And my response every single time was, I don't care what Sox it is. I'm going to the big leagues. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't, matter, it doesn't matter. So my first spring <laughs> training going to, to, to my first professional spring training, I was in the batting cage working and working and working. And the minor league director came up to me one day the director of the whole minor leagues, who, who's okay. the, the jefe. Yeah. And he said, uh, hey son, come here, I need to talk to you. And I'm like, oh gosh, am I in trouble again, dude? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. what I do dude? Like, yeah. and, he, and I come over and I said, yes sir. And he says, son, you have all the makings to become a major leaguer and make millions and millions of dollars in the big leagues one day. Hmm. And I was like, sweet. I was so green at it, yeah. I didn't know what I was doing. Yeah. I said, just tell me what to do and I'll do it. Like, yeah. I didn't really care about the star stat and all that, I just wanted yeah. to get to the big leagues. Yeah, yeah. But all that was driven from that story I told myself at 14 years old. Mm -hmm. I'm not lovable, I'm not good enough, my dad doesn't love me. I'm not lovable, I'm not good enough. That's what was my why. My why was stronger because I wanted to achieve the acceptance and approval from my dad. Mm -hmm. So the minor league director laid out this plan and I put my head down and I worked my tail off, dude. And over the next five years in the minor leagues, I became player of the year three of the five years. Mind you, I, two years before I walked on at the yeah. junior college. Yeah, you weren't good enough to I go tore my to AC, D1. Yeah, I tore my ACL one year, and then uh, I was out half the season. Okay. And then I... Uh, and you're right-handed? I'm right-handed. So was it hitting or sliding? It was actually when I was catching, I made a fluke play. But okay. it was just a freak accident. Yeah. And then okay. I, uh, I was playing so well the other year that I got called up the next level half the, uh, halfway through the season. So those mm -hmm. two years, I wasn't eligible to be player of the year on the team oh, the two I was years on, that you didn't get Or else I probably would have been player of the year five years. Yeah. And at the end of the spring training, after my fifth year in the minor leagues, I finally got my shot, dude. The manager says, you made the team. And I was on the starting, starting lineup for the Boston Red Sox mm -hmm. at, tw at 25 years old in 2001. And I was on the field in Baltimore, I remember it, and I was like, I did it. Like tears were coming down my face, and it's like, I'm here. I had no idea like, yeah. what I was doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like all I was doing was so focused because that story I told myself. Yeah. So I wasn't like, oh, I'm gonna be in the big leagues to have all this money and have this and that and be, like I didn't, I didn't fit in that way. Mm -hmm. So over the next seven memorable years of my life, from 2001 to 2007, I was a two-time All-Star. Mm -hmm. I mean, those years are memorable. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, uh, and I made $20 million. Yeah. And after my seventh year in the major leagues, I was sitting in my house down in Southern Gilbert, uh, probably 15 minutes from here with my son in my arms, my firstborn son. My three kids were adopted. Mm -hmm. My firstborn son, my pride and joy on the couch. I was having a father-son moment. And I was looking into his eyes and all I could see like how abundantly, how beautiful this boy was. And, like I was so proud of him, how he's gonna have such a bright future. And he's just like, dude, like this is it. Like this, this is the chosen child. And I was just trying to connect with my, just pure agape love. Mm -hmm. And to show my love and admiration to him, and I couldn't, I couldn't. And all I can connect to is with that pain. That from, pain from, from that story I told myself. So at this point in time, I made a decision. Like, I started becoming numb to everybody and everyone around me. And here I am. I just want to help people. I just want to change the world. I have this, this loving heart. And yeah. it's just like, and having so much success at the pinnacle of my career. Yeah. Like prime. I made a decision. And it proved to be the biggest decision in my life, man. With my son in my arms. I quit. 
I quit my one. Hand. I quit my one childhood dream. I worked so hard for all those hours on the side of the house and all that stuff. When everybody else was hanging out and partying, I was working and I was living it in the prime of my career at 32 years old. And I always told myself between 35 and 40 years old would be the best years of my career. So I probably would have made another 50 million or whatever. Yeah. Like it's just insane. Easy, yeah. So I convinced myself if I just come home to be a father to my three children, adopted children, because uh, I love my kids so much. And open my second dream and my passion. That's why I tell the kids, you gotta have a dream, you gotta dream. You can't just have one, just got whatever's inside you, they'll manifest if you just pursue it. I wanted to own a zoo. So you see the movie uh, We Bought a Zoo? No, I never saw it. Yeah, I need with, to see with, it. I with see uh, it. Matt Damon's in that's it. Like, I was watching it because it's animal, and I was like, oh crap, that's me. Yeah. Like, I'm the zoo and, guy. and it wasn't filmed after me or it wasn't it was yeah, like yeah. that's that that was my life. Yeah. So I quickly uh <laughs> Made the transition, uh, yeah. becoming a professional athlete to an entrepreneur. Yeah. And I figured that if I just become an entrepreneur, I'll get it. I'll get my dad's approval because my dad was an entrepreneur. Yeah. See, what happens is that Major League Baseball didn't do it. The fame didn't do it. The glory didn't do it. Money the didn't money do it. didn't do it. Man, I was making $350,000 every two weeks after taxes. I had three mansions, six cars, 300 pairs of shoes. I was flying private jets. I was living it. I was pimping it. I yeah. was it, dude. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I remember a story of it when I was flying from Chandler Airport down the street here to Detroit, Michigan to the All-Star Game. I was on the fastest civilian jet in the world, private jet. It's pimping. It's a Citation 10. Yeah, yeah, See, yeah, what yeah. happens, a normal commercial airliner flies about 35,000 feet, 40,000 feet, mm -hmm. and it goes about 450,000 miles an hour if you're lucky. Mm -hmm. This jet, 10 passenger jet, yeah. takes off like a rocket. It flies at 64,000 feet okay, so and it goes 640 miles an hour. I got from here to Detroit in two hours, dude. Cruising. And I was, I was with the pilot, the co-pilot, myself. That's it. On this jet. Yeah. On top of the world. Like, yeah. pip. Yeah. And I'm sitting there like, looking out the window. I was like, I hate myself. I hate mm. everything about this. Mm. I hate it. And that, that, that's kind of parallels what you're talking about. Like, yeah. it just, I, 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 I didn't love it anymore. I mm. hated it. So as I made the transition from professional athlete to entrepreneur, I not only opened up one business, I opened up three. Yeah. So I had a great idea of buying a $5 million horse farm, mm -hmm. and I had a feed store and a nonprofit foundation where I created a petting zoo. Mm. And I quickly became the guy who owned Marley Farms, okay. and not the two-time all-star in the big leagues yeah, that yeah, played yeah. for the Red Sox and the Diamondbacks, because like, that's what I was known for. That was yeah. my identity. I was yeah. you know, big. Yeah. And uh, in over four years, I, I, cre I, I collected and adopted out, rescued and adopted out over, four, uh, over a thousand dogs. And I accumulated over 300 farm and exotic animals. I had camels, kangaroos, llamas, alpacas, a zonkey. Were people just bringing them to you? or I rescue them. <laughs> you would go find out where there's a uh, call? Like, doo -doo -doo -doo. Yeah, you put out, yeah, yeah, bro. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I rescued raccoons from a, 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 a track home. And, where did this and passion, because earlier in your story, was in there. the passion for, for animals come from. Yeah. It, it was, I just loved animals all the time, but I could yeah. never have animals. Yeah. Because we lived in the suburbs. Yeah. You know? So and and, and this is it, it was absolutely insane. I had these animals, and I, they were abandoned, abused, and neglected, and I'd rehabilitate them with unconditional love. My ex-father-in-law, my father-in-law at the time was a veterinarian, so mm. he taught me a lot of tricks of the trade, so I'd, medic I'd, 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 I'd administer all the medication, all this stuff and to these animals, and all of a sudden I see their soul light up. I was like, okay, this one's ready. And they have all my staff, I had 15 employees, were like, dude, this guy's crazy. No, put him out, he's ready. And yeah. I'd have inner city, Disabled and child crisis kids come out to my yeah, farm, yeah. and it, these these transform kids' lives yeah. on the spot. I have story. I can, they can relate to animals. I went to one of those wolf 
ones where, where they talk about being a pack. I've done that too. It was, it was really incredible. And the, the work they it's were telling amazing. about to do with kids was like really touching. It's, it's, it's amazing. Like I, I was the first guy to ever hit a game-winning home run off Mariano Rivera. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Like uh, the, the, the belt time best closer ever. Remember that? At Fenway Remember Park. That? Uh, uh, I mean, I've, I've played in two All-Star games. I, I've, I've, I mean, I've done so much stuff with baseball, but nothing yeah. compared to Saving what happened at this farm yeah. with these kids. Yeah, yeah. And... Uh, but but all this came at a steep price, man. Yeah. Uh, I just received my fir- my third floor closure notice on my farm. Mm-hmm. I had a five million dollar horse farm. I was paying thirty five thousand dollars of my own money on my pocket just to keep this vision alive, just to try to help other people. Mm. After I walked away from my dream. Yeah. Uh, my fifteen year, my fifteen year marriage was falling apart, and then uh, everything else in my personal life was raveling out of control. Yeah. I mean, I've never been so scared in my life. Yeah. I lost everything. So. Uh, at that point in time, I got down on my knees out front of one of my houses. I had three houses at my farm, and uh, asked the Lord to take my life because I couldn't. I couldn't go on no more. I, I, my, my pain, that pain, was so severe, but I couldn't pinpoint where it came from. Yeah, because I had it for was so it long. Was it the marriage or the the, the things that happened financially? The story but it comes back so. down to that story. Led me wow. to those decisions with all that stuff afterwards. Yeah, that story. I'm not lovable. I'm not good enough. My dad doesn't love me. I'm not lovable. And when you're a, a, a obsessive compulsive, and you've got uh, OCD, uh, ADHD, all that, it just goes over and over and over and over and over. You know, there's average person every day has sixty thousand thoughts go through their mind. Forty-eight thousand mm. of those are negative. Crazy. And when it's just like I'm not good enough, I'm not good enough, I'm not good enough, and I go have more success, more success, and I didn't, I wasn't receiving what I was trying to achieve. Yeah, I didn't realize that. Yeah. So uh, that was the first night that that God, and it's, um, this is not a spiritual thing, but this is part of it. Uh, God spoke to me in my dreams. It just said, uh, "Pick up your cross and follow me." Mm-hmm. And I, I woke up. I thought I was hallucinating. I didn't know. I've never had that experience before. So. Uh, uh, I had nothing. I, yeah. I lost my farm. I lost my family. I lost my kids. Uh, everything. I just I hurt so bad, and uh, I was living in a million dollar house in Southern Gilbert here with no electricity. My youngest mm-hmm. son, uh, who you'll meet here in a little bit, yeah. he would live with me. My other two kids didn't even want to live with me, and I quit baseball for them. Yeah. And it's just like it, it was insane. I, I'd have to have candles uh, sitting around my bed and around the house because no electricity, and my son would be like, "Hey, Dad, we going camping tonight?" And I, he thought it was cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And here yeah. I am, burnt up and, and crushed inside because it's like I've made all this money and I've, I've had all the success and I've, I've helped so many people. And my kids are going to school telling all their friends, my daddy plays for the Diamondbacks. Yeah. And I can't even keep electricity on. The last $150,000 I had, I gave it away to help people out. Hmm. So I was riding my son's bike once a week to go to church, 45 minutes each way, hmm. just to get a fix. I didn't know where to turn. So I went yeah. the spiritual route. Yeah, I started yeah. hanging out with Christians, and I started going to church three or four times a week, and I started to find a balance between mind, body, and spirit, because yeah, I never had to work on that before, because if you could hit, it doesn't matter what you do. Yeah, you can yeah, act yeah. any way you want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're a God, yeah. because everybody treats you like a God, yeah. and that's not true. Yeah. So I started speaking to churches, speaking to schools, speaking to uh, prisons all over, speaking engagements. I never knew ever, because I'm the most shy guy ever. Yeah, I never thought more it'd be, terrifying than going it was up insane, dude, but it was insane, dude, but it was cool, man. Yeah. And uh, everybody come up to me afterwards, like, you know, you can relate to what, what you do. Like, man, what you just did was amazing, this and that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but I would go home at night, and I still had that pain mm. that, was, that was still there prevalent. Mm. And I was so confused because baseball didn't do it to help it out. Uh, uh, having my horse farm, my yeah. animals, my second draft didn't help it out, and God didn't help it out. Yeah. So I really realized that I was just putting a Band-Aid on it, even the spiritual route. Yeah. Because that story I told myself. Mm-hmm. I'm not lovable. I'm not good enough. My dad doesn't love me. I'm not lovable. I'm not good enough. My dad doesn't love me. It just, it just, it just ruined me. Yeah. So 
I didn't have any vehicles or anything like that, but I, I was able to raise enough funds to buy a van. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and, and I was actually living in a van uh, four years ago. Hmm. And in this van, I found myself at, at 3 o'clock in the morning uh, in front of my ex-wife's house with my three children inside. And at that point in time, I had already taken 15 sleeping pills, eight ibuprofen 800s, mm -hmm. and I don't know how many drinks of alcohol. Mm -hmm. Not to do anything to myself, but just to numb that pain. Yeah. Because I didn't know what else to do. Yeah. Here, here are a lot of guys on the floor of this van that so many people envied. Everybody envied yeah. me. Everybody yeah. wanted to be me. Yeah. And here I was just motionless. As a, as a soul is leaving the top of my head, all I could think about is that guilt and shame and how you're a loser. What would my parents think if I left this world today? Mm -hmm. what, what, what kind of dad would do this to his kid? Dude, you just quit the game for your kid. Now you're doing this, really? You're a scum. Just do it. Just let go. Just, just, you, you, you might as well just die. That's what my mind was telling myself. Yeah. So I let go. I, just, I didn't know if I fell asleep or if I died. I just let go. Here, here I'm living in a van. Hmm. Uh, and it was crazy. And then the next morning, uh, uh, right when the sun came up, it peered through the front windshield of my van, and it went right into my eyes, and it woke me up. And as I came to, with the sun in my eyes on the floor of this van, uh, I really realized I didn't have any side effects. I uh, didn't have any stomach ache, didn't have any headache, didn't have anything ill effects to my body physically. Yeah. And it was an aha moment for me, yeah. because what I did the night before with the concoction of pills I took and the alcohol, I should have either been in the hospital or dead. Yeah. I'm saying that uh, just 100%. Yeah. And it was an aha moment. And the first thought after that was, not supposed to be, where's my horse? This is four years after I sold my farm. Where's yeah. my horse? Yeah. God's honest truth. Yeah. And when I thought about this horse, I had a good feeling because it brought back good memories. Yeah. And I started to try to ride that good feeling because I was lost, I was on my death, I was like gone. And, and this wasn't just any horse. See, when you get to the top of your game, when you get to the top, you yeah. always have a first purchase, Yeah. right? Yeah, some yeah. people buy their mama a house, some people buy themselves a house, some people buy themselves a car or whatever. I bought a horse. Yeah. Because I grew up in Southern California, I always wanted a horse, I never, my parents never gave one. So I bought a horse and named it Coors Light, CL. So and that was, was your first? That was my first purchase in the big leagues. And I was like, where's my How horse? How much does a good horse go for? <laughs> Well, this horse was only four thousand dollars. It was just okay, a ranch okay. horse. Oh, I didn't know it, it was, was just, like, some, it was just like, like a pet. million dollar horse. I don't no, know it was just like a pet. Okay. It was crazy. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. crazy. That's so, so I reached funny. out to my friend that day because I wanted to ride this feeling. Like, I wonder where my horse is because it take distract my mind. And I said, Hey, buddy, uh, do, do you know where my horse is? Can you help me find it? He's like, What horse? Yeah, you had fifty six horses. I was like, yeah. No, the horse. Yeah, yeah, CL. Yeah. yeah. He's like, I'll try to find it for you. I'll get back to you. So I remember it. He called me back that night. He's like, Dude, I found your horse. And uh, I said, cool, man. He's like, reach out to this person on Facebook because yeah. I hadn't access to nothing. Yeah, I yeah. didn't go back to my house that night. I went back to my van by mm. myself. Talk about humiliating, man. Mm. It, it, was, it was horrible. And, and I reached out to this person. I remember I asked my friends, like, what was the last name? And he told me the last name so I could find it on Facebook. Mm -hmm. And I remember that person vaguely uh, at the farm and at the feed store or whatever, yada, yada, yada. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and I reached out to the person. I said, do you have my horse? And the person freaked out. And the reason why the person freaked out is because if you adopted an animal from me at my yeah. farm, so you adopted one of my animals, yeah. I'd have you sign a contract. Yeah. And in that contract that you sign, I have first right of refusal to where if you can't keep that animal, uh, I, get the, I get the animal back. Yeah, yeah. And the person freaked out. That you're going to take? Yeah. Okay. Because the day before, you just want to ride. this is four years after I sold the farm. Yeah. And you're telling me things aren't meant to happen. Yeah. <sighs> that person uh, freaked out because you sent the horse the day before to Utah because that person was going through some troubles in their marriage. Hmm. And that person didn't only prove to be, I'd lay in bed every night. It's like, I wish God would just give me that one person that, that I know she's out there. 
So that person that had my horse didn't only prove to be the woman of my dreams, but the mother. I just wanted to have someone to be a mother to my kids because they deserved it. Yeah. And I took that woman's hand in marriage. It's my wife today. Hmm. And it's just like the last person to believe in me, the last person to like, like she's a total nerd. She's a genius. She's smart. She's successful. She's, you know, in the real world where I came from, like she'd be like a sugar mama or whatever. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, but yeah, it ain't yeah. that case. You know what I mean? But yeah. she just hold me accountable. She supported me. She saw something in me that was insane. And, and she'd bring me back. You know what I mean? She support me. She helped me out. She do this stuff. I was so far gone mentally because that story I told myself. Hmm. At 14 years old, I'm not lovable, I'm not good enough. So whenever I go to church, whenever I do anything, any of that stuff, I wasn't able to do anything because my belief system was so strong with that conviction, I wouldn't let anything in. And when you get on top of the world, you, let, you put walls up and you, put, you yep. don't let anybody in. It's just like you're just screaming little boy. And there's so many athletes and so many uh, uh, entertainers, professional people that can relate to that. That I just mm. hope I can just maybe help one person with my story. Yeah. So I start speaking in schools again and churches and all that stuff. And I still go home at night, sleep next to my soulmate after we got married. And had that pain inside. Like, huh. Seriously, dude, like, yeah, it was still a little bit there. It was gone most of it. I was yeah. like, dude, I, I've done all this. I've done this. I've, I've done everything. You know, I did all the Tony Robbins stuff. I've done this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I self-helped. I, yeah. I worked so hard on myself, and it was still there. So I remember getting up out of my bed, and I go into my closet. I close my door in my closet in my bedroom, and I'm, like, throwing stuff in my closet. Like, I throw a temper tantrum. Like, what yeah, do I yeah. got to do, man? Yeah, 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 yeah. So I finally went to bed, and I got up the next day, went on a, on a front porch, and I have to do social media stuff. I don't really like it because I'd rather be out in the field. And I was going through Facebook, and I saw this ad. And you know those ads that say these programs? Buy this program, four steps of this. Yep, yep. And I went across this program from this pretty little preppy guy in Southern California. It said, tell your story in four steps. And I was like, huh? Cool. Dude, I, I tell my story everywhere, but it's just ain't, it ain't doing what I think it could do. Yeah. So I spent my last $150,000, or $150, not $150,000. Yeah, so this is an expensive course. $150 on this course, uh, and uh, I bought it, and it took me back to the first step. And at, at 41 years old, after everything I had success, everything I've done, I had an instant. See, what happens with a breakthrough in time? A breakthrough happens It's a moment in time. People say it takes 10 years, 5 years. It's just a moment of time, an instant moment of realization, right? Yeah, decision. That, that I saw this. I was like, oh, my gosh. Because the first part of the story is the call. What happened in your life where it goes where everything's going good and all of a sudden it goes bad? And it takes me back to where I'm 14 years old and I'm sitting on my bed. And my dad walked into my room. And, I, and I, at 41 years old, I sit there and say, no way. I fell down on my knees and I, uh, like a million pounds of unworthiness came off my shoulders and tears like Niagara Falls were going down my face. It's like, see what happened, my dad loved California so much and the family loved it. I found this out later in life. They didn't want to move. They wanted to stay there. Mm -hmm. But they sacrificed the whole family for me because my dad saw something in me that I couldn't see in myself to give me the best chance to become a major leader to come to Arizona. And so I was the like, story you were telling yourself was completely wrong, wrong. what really happened. And the story these kids tell themselves, and the story a lot of people tell themselves isn't true. But if you say it so much, and, and it over and over and over, just like with you, what you do, what you master with basketball, myself with baseball, it just becomes repetition. It becomes a habit. Mm. And when something becomes a habit, your mind turns it over to your body because your body actually knows it more than your mind. Mm. So once you say it enough, enough, you don't even think about it because it's in your subconscious level and it creates your belief system. Mm. So whenever I go to church or whatever, do these things, I, uh, I'm not good enough. I'm not lovable. Yeah. I'm not, well, no one loves me. Yeah. And right there, instantly, boom, had a breakthrough. Hmm. So with that being said, I was able to talk to my dad. My dad, uh, God bless his soul, he died like three months ago. But I, got, I was so able to sorry. talk to him before that, before yeah. he died. And I set him free 
because he struggled his whole life from like five years old to 75 years old. He dealt with what I dealt with yeah. and trying to break that generation cycle of just that this crap in my family yeah. uh, has been the biggest he accomplishment. He had a bad self story as well, you're saying. Horrible. Yeah. And he never drank. So he never that. did anything because his parents had troubles with that stuff. So he didn't want to do it. So he had nothing to mask it with. Mm. He didn't have baseball. I had baseball to mask yeah, it with. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? So I realized that I didn't have to drink to get my parents' approval. I didn't have to make the money. Yeah. I didn't have to do any of that stuff. Anything. They loved me unconditionally. Mm. And with that being said, I am set on a mission, as you are. Mm-hmm. And I, I want to help transform people. I want to change the world. I want to help people. And, and the thing is, I couldn't help anybody. I can't help anybody. It had to start with me. Yeah. So with me being able to share my story and with my, with my background, with what I've done, I, I, hopefully I can reach somebody to be able to make a difference. And, and that's where we are today. It's incredible, awesome, man. man. It's, it's so it's so incredible, and your passion is just absolutely contagious. I'm over here trying not to cry and get emotional, <laughs> man. I, um, I, 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 there's so many cool things in that, and and we were talking earlier um, about this quote that we love um, on the drive here, actually, um, me and my guys, and and uh, it's where where your thoughts go, your energy flows, and this 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 thing of this story that we tell us, and, and the gentleman I sat down with earlier, who I'm going to introduce you to, Ian, the spiritual gangster, mm-hmm. who's amazing. Um, you know, he was telling us, you got to get on your own team. Mm-hmm. If you aren't on your own team, then who is going to be on your own team? And, and especially in those ages, those teenagers and those, those early years, we tell ourselves the story of who we are and it sticks with us for a lot of people for the rest of their lives. And we don't even know that we're saying like, you know, I'm not, I'm not good enough. People don't love me. But we have all these thoughts and this, this cycle, you know, in our subconscious of like negative, negative, negative. It's just, you know, it's just so destructive. And, um, and so it's uh, that the whole time I hear your story, I'm like, well, how did he turn the corner? Like, what is going to be the realization? And you've had all these things and you looked into all these other places, some good, you know, I think baseball can definitely be a good thing. The the alcohol or the drugs, obviously, that not probably not the most constructive thing, but it's a it's a program that came across you know the page. There's a thing that opens opens you up to realize that, and I just think it's you never know where that might be. It might be the you homeless never. guy who does the the design yeah, for yeah. your your logo thing. Like you don't, yeah. I feel like you can learn something from from anybody. And um, and I loved one thing that I want to retouch on on your story. Um, and my buddy T, he got to experience this with me. Um, as I learned to tell my story, um, I realized that there was one person that played a pivotal role um, in in my life that I never realized before. And I told you guys at that um, event mm-hmm. the other night that I would go early to school every day and um, and practice. Well, there was a uh, a janitor named Larry, and Larry was an older gentleman and um, he'd been at the school a long time and he wasn't treated very well um, by kids at the school because um, he was the janitor and, mm-hmm. and for some reason people don't always respect that. But Larry, Larry um, would open up the gym for me every day. So for in order for me to get my swings in, which was shooting and dribbling, um, it was because Larry and, and Larry um, got to open up the doors for me to go and do all these cool things that um, you know that aren't typical to people from where I'm from and and, yeah. and I grew up and and um, and and I got to have an ama- amazing experience of going back um, to the, my high school to speak um, when I first started this and Larry was still at the school he was and so I got to orchestrate this thing where he didn't know 
that I was going to be there. And I honestly didn't know if he would even remember me, yeah. you know, because I would, I mean, I would thank him, like, thanks, man. But it was just like, I didn't think I was anyone that he remember. And, um, and so I got to do this speech and it was one of my first ones and it wasn't that great. It was, it was, I mean, it was okay, but I was honest, you know, and vulnerable and that kind of thing. But I got to have Larry, I got to call him out in front of everyone and tell how all these, <clears throat> all these cool things have happened in my life, but none of it would have happened if it wasn't for one person, one mm -hmm. adult taking an interest in me, giving me a little bit of time and going out of their way to radically change the course of my life. And uh, I remember he came up on stage and it was a very emotional moment. And, um, and I looked at him and he looked at me and he goes, I remember those days, Jesse, those were good uh, times. And it was just like, uh, just, it just uh, ripped out my heart. I have, I have some pictures from, from the experience. That's um, so cool. But when you were telling your story, um, and, and the takeaway from that for me is like, you never know how one small thing can impact someone, whether it's just mm -hmm. a simple conversation, a phone call, an email, taking an interest in your, the cashier at your restaurant or whatever. whatever. Like you, you never know. And that's something like, I, I, I'm very outgoing. I like to talk to people, but sometimes I don't want to talk to anyone because I have to be on all the time yep. in, the, in, the, in the cameras yep. and the people and the kids. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you just like, it sounds like those walls that you had up when you're on this elevated status and you're on the private jets and, and uh, doing these things where it's like people want to use you and they're coming after your money. And so you're always kind of, you become kind of leery of these different um, situations. But like, if you can just be a sincere, caring person, you never know like the difference you can make. And so it's so exciting to me to see these cool things that you're doing now with your foundation, with your speaking, with your passion and all the impact that you're going to have on people all over the world with what you're doing. But it can be so simple for anyone watching. It's just starting with one person that you see at Subway or that kind of thing. That's it. But your Larry, one of your Larrys, was this, not the commissioner, but the minor league director. Yeah. Why do you think he took an interest in you? And, and not only was it that one, because if he just came into you and said, hey, you have all this potential, that would have been almost enough and cool mm -hmm. enough. But it sounds mm -hmm. like he also is like, here's what you need to do for training. Here's the people you need to meet. Here's how you need to eat. Here's, here's how you need to approach the thing. Why do you think that he did that? Was it just a, a guy took an interest in you and liked you or, or um, I don't know. Did, did it's a, it's, that's like a, that's a two edged sword there because obviously it's a business. Mm -hmm. So uh, he was part of uh, drafting me, yeah. the process of getting me there. So they, yes, they want to yes. get their guys and so they're okay. for credibility. But more, more, most importantly is that he's a real genuine person. I actually quit one of the years hmm. and, and, he, and he told me, I think you're making a big decision. Uh, and this is after I got player of the year my first year. He says, I think you're making a, bit, a, a bad decision. Uh, if you ever want to come back, you can come back. So I called him like at three in the morning, like after a week after spring training. So I said, hey, can I come back? He said, yeah, come on back. You know, so it's yeah. the same guy. Yeah. So it's just uh, this hmm. genuineness, you know, and, and, and a story that comes up to myself is, is I help uh, Canadian teams right now uh, and from British Columbia. And I went to Las Vegas uh, to help 11 year old group. Mm -hmm. And that's my favorite group. I love pouring into the kids, uh, whatever, yada, yada, yada. They don't have any much. I'm sure it's the same way up there with y'all. It's, they don't have a voice. They, they don't think they're good enough. And they're, they're really polite. They're respectful. They work mm -hmm. hard. They're like the, oh, they're, they're the perfect example of a kid. The nicest But they don't people. think they're as good as American kids because they're always in the snow and up north and all that. So I was like, I got to connect with these kids. I got to connect. So I just got the kids around one day in a dugout, 11-year-old kids. And I said, hey, guys, if ever at any point in time a coach, because out here coaches are nuts in Arizona. If a coach ever yells at you or says anything you don't like or, or tries to begrade you, just tell them to zip it. 
Yeah. And the kids look at me like your dog looks at you like, yeah, yeah. And they're like, what? We can't, we can't that. see that, coach. Yeah, we can't I was do like, that. just say zip it, dude. Yeah, yeah. Just say zip it. I didn't even know where I was going with it. Hmm. Uh, so, uh, needless to say, by the end of the week, because it's a, a week long process, a, a, a experience, uh, the only coach they were telling to zip it is myself. Yeah, yeah. So, they really come backfired. off the field and I'm like, hey, dude, good job, dude. Like, coach, zip, zip it, it, coach. Yeah. You know? <laughs> but I was like, you know, this, really there's, there's something to this because it's not really disrespectful. It's just like kind of funny and, hey, zip it, you know, whatever, just to give the kids a voice. You know mm. what I mean? Because you have to have a ton of confidence playing baseball. Yeah. It's a number one confidence crusher. So, by the end of the week, because the best are only hitting oh my three gosh, out of ten I hit, times. I yeah. hit 300 for the Diamondbacks uh, in 2004 and only five guys in each league, American League, National League, do it. And I, I, I did it. And, and then you're, you're like, failing seven times. Yeah, like, you're, just yeah, to, yeah. like it's so crazy, yeah, it's insane. So one of the moms came up to me. We had a young boy's name is Joss, J-O-S-S, and okay. from British Columbia area, uh, Western Canada, and he was kind of overweight. He had a, had a, a challenges with his weight. He couldn't like bend down uh, for the balls at first base. But he's a, this kid had a great spirit, mm-hmm. great kid. I mean, I could see like he's not supposed to be that. Something's telling him this. Yeah. So his story. Yeah. So she, the mom kept bugging me all week. Can you talk to Josh? Talk to Josh. Talk to Josh. Because she's like on the last ditch effort. Like, like, please, like, just crying. I'm like, no, 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 no. Don't, don't pressure me because I'm not, yeah. I got to let something manifest. So the very last yeah. day, I caught him on the field. And the kids are on the bus getting ready to leave. And, and I start talking to this kid. I say, hey, Josh. But I had to create rapport first, right? You yeah. know, I had to get connection and, and yeah. zip it and all this stuff. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, I said, hey, Josh, uh, you don't feel like uh, when you came down here? You don't, you don't feel like you fit in, did you? And this kid just lost it. I was like, oh crap, I just messed this kid up. Yeah, 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 I was yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Please stop, I gotta I just, this wrong. kid is like, he's crying so yeah. hysterically that he couldn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. And I was like, what did I just do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, wait, 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 chill. I said, you don't think you fit in because you're awake, right? He's like, yeah, no. I was like, you're wrong. I said, you don't fit in because like, you're, you're not one of those, like you're so set apart, like you're a leader. And, and I, I wasn't, I was, I was telling the truth because I could yeah. see in this kid's eyes. Yeah. And I said, I was like, you, you get bullied at school, right? And uh, <laughs> he gets worse. And I'm like, oh yeah. gosh. Like, yeah, I was, I was like, all the wrong things. <laughs> yeah. But I just, it, it was cool because he opened up and let me in. Yeah. Right? So yeah. that's why he was crying. Yeah. So I said, what do you think you could say to the kids at school? All this stuff was just coming to me, like being downloaded right then. Yeah, I didn't yeah, know yeah. what I was saying, dude. Yeah, it was yeah, cool. Yeah. It was so insane. Yeah. And he's like, these kids are nice. He's like, tell them it's not nice. It yeah. I was like, no, dude. Yeah. Tell them to zip, zip it. it. Yes, yes, And I was yes. like, that's why I was sad. He's like, yeah. instantly. Yeah. Light bulb Wait. moment. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. He said, even most importantly, Josh, when you go home at night and when you lay in bed, and say that you're fat and you're no good and you're a loser and you're this because he's such a kind kid and you want to go take those Oreos and eat in your bed to, to numb the pain because when you eat it releases a, a, a dopamine and mm-hmm. come to, I did a job, I, I've done this stuff, you know? Yeah, and that's yeah, why yeah. I was there. I don't care about the baseball. Yeah. And I was like, what? And when you're telling yourself all this stuff, and you have, what, what do you think you could tell yourself at night? You, you tell yourself those thoughts. Yeah. He says, zip it? I'm like, yes. Hmm. You have something to combat that now, dude. Yeah. And, and I said, even most importantly, this is the first time you've heard it from me, so you have a correlation. When you say zip it, you're going to think of me. And you're going to think of me standing here as a two-time all-star in the major leagues, yeah. having my arm around you say, yeah. Josh, dude, looking you in the eyes yeah. and say, dude, I believe in you. Yeah. And you could do it. Yeah. And this kid, it was like a beautiful moment. And he yeah. just left. Yeah. And I was like, Camp's hopefully, over. hopefully it worked. <laughs> zip it. I came back. Yeah. I was like, see yeah. you later, dude. Zip. Yeah. Yeah. So his mom called me two months later after that. She's like, I don't know what you said to my kid. And I was like, oh my gosh, did I ruin him? Yeah. I told him, she's like, yeah. he changed his life. Mm-hmm. He went home and he lost 20 pounds on his own. 
hmm. by the story of transforming and connecting and understanding on his own. He started, not mom, everybody's been trying to, on his own, getting up and going to work and, and putting his log on the refrigerator and all that stuff. Yeah. And, and now that he lost weight, he's feeling better about himself and he wanted to come down to Arizona now because his Canadian group goes to Las Vegas and Arizona, okay. goes around these different experiences. Yeah, he wanted yeah, to come yeah. to Arizona. So the lady called, the mom called, the head guy, the Canadian guy that running the team said, hey, Joss wants to go. And the Canadian, the head guy leading it was really nice. He says, uh, He's welcome to come, but he probably won't play because it's a big investment and his other kid, kind of competitive yeah, yeah, yeah. because of the way his performance was before, mm -hmm. uh, which was honest. You yeah. know what I mean? I don't want you to come down and expect yeah. to play, yeah, but you're more than welcome to come down. And she, the mom went to Joss and told him that. And he says, I want to go see Chef. Hmm. So he came down and he walked on the field and then none of them have seen him since because he lived in a different town. Yeah. And they're like, what happened to him? Yeah. Needless to say, this kid played every inning yeah, yeah, of the he's whole a beast. tournament. Yeah. He stole bases for the first time. He yeah, was getting yeah. hits. Mom's crying in the stands. All this stuff. She's like, what can we do? What can we do? Like, you saved my kid's life. I was like, no, I didn't, dude. I just told him to zip it, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just told him to start So I want to create a slogan, zip hashtag zip it, man, yeah, for the yeah, kids. So the we movement. go do the siblings. Like, that's zip it, dude. <laughs> that needs to become the thing. So it's the thought, the bully. So real quick, yeah, yeah, let me finish yeah, yeah. it. Uh, so I said, you know, we're, we're doing this stuff in Mexico. Uh, I'm starting a baseball academy with these kids. They have no equipment, this and that, whatever. And uh, I said, I don't know. I, I have the hardest time asking people for help, you know, whatever. I said, I don't know if you could think of anything. So she created a campaign. The mom and Joss created a campaign. Her name is Deborah, uh, a glove with love campaign in mm. Canada mm. with Canadian, kid, Canadian people, with a United States, me from the United States, and then helping kids from Mexico. Mm. Like three different countries. Yeah. They collected 120 baseball gloves. All this baseball equipment, they sent down seven huge totes to my house. But the big thing was each one of these baseball gloves had a baseball in it, and it had a note written to the mm. kids down there of, like, uh, inspiration. Yeah, yeah. Like a, so now this kid that everybody wanted to just kind of push off the side, Josh, because he's just Josh, you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Not, this is how it goes. Yeah, yeah. Just kind of say something to him. Now this kid is affecting hundreds of kids' lives in a totally different country. Mm. So we created this Love for Love campaign and, and just helping it. That's beautiful. the coolest part of what I do. Yeah. And, and uh, it's just, it's amazing. She sent a picture of him sitting on all these gloves with them. It's like, here's a kid that was bullied and all this stuff. And just change his story yeah. and work towards a, a new story, new goals. And that's the outcome. Not him having success and going to school or what. Like, change another kid. That's what it's about. Man. Yeah. Yeah. It was cool. That dude. story is so powerful of your own story, you know, uh, what you tell yourself. So how, how, how does someone who is telling themselves a bad self story um, change that? I mean, how would you say, is it, is, 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 I don't know, if it, is it as simple as, all right, zip it, I'm going to not have negative thoughts, because it took you years in trying different things to figure it out. So when you are talking to kids or just people in general, is, is it different on a case-by-case -case basis, or do you have... Um, like kind of a thought process that you work with people to help them rewrite a positive self story that can be empowering and and help them see the beauty in their situation and instead of it being a uh, instead of being a victim being like the victor in the situation. Um, what, how would you recommend that to someone? See, we've been created to survive. You you have to choose to be happy, and our yeah. body has limitations. Yeah, but the mind doesn't. Yeah, and what I've learned is I, I didn't have to. I've trained my mind so much to hit a baseball. I could hit a baseball in my sleep and do yeah. all that stuff, yeah. right? Yeah. But where, where I didn't know how to work on that care because it went so long. I want to go there because it hurt so bad, and I didn't know what to do. I thought this just how I was. So uh, the biggest thing is it's just this. I mean, the Tony Robbins stuff is just positive. It's it's thinking and. 
being in the spirit of gratitude. Mm. And that's what's tough about us here that. in the States because we have, we're so spoiled. And uh, fear and, and self-doubt and all that stuff, they cannot be present. It's not possible if you're in a present, a spirit, or a present state of gratitude. gratitude yeah. So I get up here. I have to do I have to work hard every day. Yeah. I get up every day. I do the cold plunge and I, get, I go on a walk. I do the positive thinking and, uh, or the gratitude and I send out love to people around me. I'm just training my mind. You know, like I've always trained my body. Yeah. And I train my mind to do specific stuff with baseball, but not to be happy. I was never happy. Yeah. So I, I was unhappy my whole career. Mm. I hated it. Mm. I was on top of the way. I hated it with a passion. Yeah. The one thing I loved so much, I hated it. Yeah. You know. So so the thing is, is that is this. Were you grateful? Do you feel like when you were were on top with the as far as your uh, baseball career, like where you was like I I don't know how to. I mean, what is that? I've never, I never once it. sat there and said, like, "Dude, I'm a crazy. millionaire." Yeah. Never yeah, once. Yeah, yeah. Never yeah, once. Yeah. Like I'm a millionaire. Like yeah. cool. I was like cool. Like it's just like you do. You know how it is. You do it yeah. so much, you just expect it. Yeah. You know. I mean, do you ever think that you'd be doing commercials and movies and stuff? Like it's just like, it's a different thing to where like, yeah. I started out going into that with mm -hmm. that pain that drove me. I just wanted to be, my dad to love me, dad. So when you were, all star, you know these amazing things in your career happening. You got all these houses, cars, shoes. What was your relationship? I'm just curious with like your dad during that time. I didn't have. You didn't in the relationship period. Hmm. I cut my parents out of my whole career. And I have to wake up every single day of the rest of my life dealing with that. Hmm. The two people, the only people that believed in me. Yeah. And when I was at the All-Star Game, I was telling you about Detroit, Michigan. Yeah. Uh, I had my posse there, my entourage, my family, my in-laws, my family, which is my in-laws and all that stuff, mm -hmm. and not my parents. Hmm. The two parents that always trucked me around with the games. My dad used to order Domino's pizza, dude, in high school, like high school games, and hmm. from the stands. You know, he yeah. was like that crazy yeah, guy. Yeah, like yeah, it was yeah. like my, my friends remember pizza that. Afterwards. Yeah, he's yeah. like, well, who orders a Domino's pizza during yeah. the baseball high school baseball game? Just, just to be the quirky. And and I had all my friends there, everybody there doing the, the major league baseball experience. And here, my parents sit at the top of the stadium, hmm. bought their own tickets to humiliate themselves so much. Hmm. And my mom was talking about it actually the other day. Hmm. And, and how she was grateful with the experience to see us, and she loved me, and, and I'm just like... But you put them up in, this, in the... They got their own tickets oh, up there. Their own tickets I didn't even give my parents tickets to the game. Oh. I didn't put them up on a hotel. They got their own hotel. They got Were they reaching out to you? Like, the whole time. time. My dad wrote me a letter when I was playing, uh, which was really hard for him to do, to reach out, you know? Yeah. I just opened it and just threw it in the trash. And I'm, I'm playing in the All-Star game in front of millions of people, and I look up, and I'm like, I hate that guy. I can't believe... Forget him, dude. That's stupid. Hmm. Are you serious, dude? Like, it's just like, that's so far. And that's what a lot of professional entertainers, athletes. That's what drive, that was your hurts. fuel and your fire. That's it what drove you like, to get there. Yeah, so when I'm there, like, I'm cashing million-dollar checks, and I'm, do, I'm doing all this stuff. I mean, I used to do autograph signings for an hour. Only 500 autographs allowed. I mean, I would sit to, like, you and stay afterwards and sign everybody in the parking lot. Yeah, yeah, They'd yeah. they give yeah. me $10,000 to sign for it. And, like, little yeah. girls would come up and be like, they're like, I was Justin Bieber or something. Yeah. Like, they're, like, just shaking. I'm like, dude, yeah. I'm like, inside, I'm a, a piece of crap. Yeah. And they hold signs in the stands, like, will you marry me, Shay? Like, I was God, man. Yeah. And it's, like, the furthest thing from the truth. Hmm. And it's so relatable to so many people. So I want to help. I want to yeah. connect with these guys because that's what, you know, that book is about beyond the laces is yeah. number 87 is utilizing this platform yeah. to change people's lives that's what it's about yeah like i've i've had everything i've ever could imagine like i hung with the president movie stars all that hmm. stuff wwe Bush roddy roddy piper it was uh, actually george bush senior okay uh he was in our clubhouse in boston okay. uh, i wish i could meet uh, Barack obama i really liked him man he was pretty, pretty yeah, clean yeah. cut man. he's probably the coolest president he was, he was like pip just cool like, points. he was just yeah. clean dude yeah. and he had absolute power for sure that's why everybody hated him <laughs> yeah but uh it just like it just it was nothing it just, it's just sad 
And so yeah. many of us yeah. do that. And the hardest thing for an athlete to do, especially baseball, the hardest thing to do is reintegrate back into society when you're done playing. Mm. Because baseball is every night. Yeah. It's every night, it's like, every night, yeah. every night for I mean, six months. I want to compare it to the Marines night. just out of like, it's, it's, I don't want to make anyone mad, but that's the, I get it. It's so many games. And, and there's and, life or death, yeah. but ours is... And then it's like coming back and being a civilian. Yeah. Like, okay. And I would do speaking engagements and I'd have people from the CIA or people from the Marines or successful people, millionaires or whatever, yeah, come yeah. up to me afterwards. Like, dude, what you say, the process of what you think is exactly what we do. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, it's the same thing. Like, it's, it doesn't matter what you do. It's the same thing. Yeah. Hmm. So it's just, uh, I'm, I'm so, like, I can leave this interview today, like, I'm so happy, I'm so content, Dude, but I'm on fire. Like, I'm, yeah. I'm using that passion yeah. and, like... The passion like, you had for baseball, yeah. now for something else, I totally... And I thought it was baseball, I thought it was, like, I thought baseball was my gig, like, yeah. that's my past this is way life, more Dude, fulfilling. like, it's just, like, yeah. that's when I started this gig down in Mexico, in Rocky, uh, Puerto Penasco, Mexico, I'm just walking on the streets, like, dude, who can I help? And then my wife's like, don't talk to them, I was like, where's the cartel, I want to, they got the yeah. money, dude, or whatever, I want to, yeah. I don't care, like, yeah. like seriously, God, if I die <laughs> leaving today, like... Yeah. I'm, I'm complete. Like, there's nothing this world can offer me more yeah. than uh, what I'm experiencing now. Like, yeah. I don't, I, I'm so satisfied. And I never thought in my wildest dreams I'd baseball. be able to say that. Isn't that crazy? Because I've been seeking it my whole life. Well, if you hadn't gone through all these things, yeah. then you wouldn't be able to share the story yeah. and impact people. And, man, it's a powerful one. And I just want to say that I, um, I appreciate you opening up and being so vulnerable. And I think a lot of people can be impacted by your story. And I'm really thankful that you, um, for you, that you were able to close that door with your dad and, and find yes. out about that story because, you know, you are good enough and you are loved and, and I've known you for a short time and I already see that and recognize yeah. that greatness that's just so much bigger and better than baseball could ever be. And I, and I love yeah. you, man. Thank and, you. And I want to ask Appreciate you, I feel like I need to hug you right Thanks, now. Man. And I, I want to ask you one, one kind of question I think it sum this up nice because I know the family's coming back from their practice and everything. I'm a cheer dad now. Yeah, dude. Cheer, so dad, cheer dad, What's cheer up? dad. Um, you get to go back in time and you see the 14 year old Shay and you're on that bed. Your dad just walked out of the room and he dropped that bomb on you that you're leaving and you're starting to tell yourself that self story. What would be the one thing that you would Tell yourself, a 14-year-old Shay, to guide you in the next, you know, rest of your childhood and onto adulthood. Or the thing that you'd want to pass along to other kids at that age that are going through something tough. That's cool. I've, I've done a lot of interviews. Mm -hmm. Like, a lot of ESP and all that. That's the best question I've ever had. Well, I'm really and the, good. And the, and the answer, you, you are good, dude. Like, like yeah, dude. You, My you mom look gave good, me that yeah. one. My mom's like, hey, you should ask me that. And it's I thought, like, gosh, mom, you are yeah. really good. Yeah. And, and, you know, and you don't want to listen to your mom, you know. Without a doubt. I'm, you know. That's how I'm my boys adult. are. My, my, boy, mom, my kids like, are too. That's really good. I want to, I want to, uh, yeah. and I, and I think, feel like that was such a pivotal moment for you. Like, not everyone knows that exact moment, but you know it. So th that's cool. Yeah. So thanks, mom. <laughs> yeah, thanks, mom. <laughs> mom, mom. Uh, what I would tell myself, and most importantly, forget me because I'm nobody, uh, is, is to tell, learn how to communicate. Because communication is everything. Yeah. I didn't have to communicate. And I kept everything inside. Yeah. And I just stifled it and stifled it and stifled it. And I, and I acted out. I wasn't really nice. I was the one that bullied. I was the one that spoke out. I was the one that got controversial. I mean, you Google my name in baseball, and it's like, I, there's an image on, on the internet that, that says, do not want. And it's a picture of my face. Uh, like, 
That's the total opposite of who I am. Yeah. But that's what came out because I stifled it and I didn't communicate and I didn't know how to communicate my feelings. I didn't, it's find somebody. You know, a lot of times it's not your parents. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm dealing, with, I'm dealing with it right now with my 12-year-old. Like, I'm out changing the world. I'm helping people out. And I'm having those struggles with my 12-year-old son that doesn't want to talk to me right yeah. now. Yeah. Well, your dad, they don't <clears> want to listen to you. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's just like, uh, is, is, there's people out there. You've got to, because it's communication and it's understanding. And it's constant work. You've got to work. You've yeah. got to work. And work on yourself. Yeah. Like you said, you've got to be your own coach. You've got to be you. The most important thing, and I heard it from Oprah, is the most important thing you should do, the number one priority is to take care of yourself. Mm. Fill yourself up and keep yourself full. You can't rely on anybody else to do that. And and that hit me hard because I always tried to help people and expect something in return because I was empty. And I'd help and help and help. And I'm giving away over a million dollars. I've helped about houses, all that stuff. And everybody's like, cool, thanks, dude. Like, like they expect it, but that's not where I was coming from. I was like, well, don't don't you know what I just did for you? so I was yeah. wrong, yeah. but now it's just like it's just it's communication and understanding who you are. Yeah, I love it. You're right. A positive self story. Get on your own team, and and get those positive thoughts going to be able to help other people. Dude, and the biggest I love thing it. for myself, the biggest thing for myself is I raise my standards. Yeah. I I wanted I, after I got done baseball on the farm, I just wanted to, I, I sat parked for five years. I I don't want any help. I just wanted to pout and just sit there and do nothing. Yeah, because I hurt so bad. I wanted to do that, and my my standards lowered, and I started hanging around people that their standards were low, and I was the best in my group. Never be the best in your group. Mm-hmm. If you're the best person in your group, you need to have a new set of friends because, yeah, yeah. and that's what was good about us being the younger brother you. because yeah. the older brother's always up. I was yep. always playing up, yep. playing up, and yep. playing up. Is that it, I always try to find. I'm really careful who I put around me now. I have a servant's heart. I want to help everybody, but I can't. Because it affects me, so I, I, I'm so blessed to have my wife, Kristen. Like she's yeah. like she's like the, the like it's amazing. Yeah. So I, I put good people around me, and I just the the dreams and the goals that I have and aspirations are so big that I have to rely on another source yeah. to take care of it. And if you have dreams and goals set so low that you can only do it, nothing else will happen to allow to help everything manifest. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I, I, I do out of this thing, out of this world stuff the way I think, because I did it before. I lived it. Yeah. I know the formula to success. Yeah. I want to fly private jets again, not to be pimping, but to be able to, I yeah. got to get from here to there yeah. because I want to change a life. I want to do these things, yeah. have a personal masseuse. I want to go yeah. into yeah. minus 25 degrees, whatever stuff yeah, like yeah, y'all yeah, did yeah, today. Yeah. I want to have that access. Uh, uh, I want to have a personal chef, you know, all that yeah. stuff. Not to be, yeah. but I want to feel it like, dude, I'm, I'm, dude, I'm ready yeah, to go, bro. you can't help other people unless you're filled up. Yeah, well, you're ready. that's it, bro. Dude, thank I you so you, much, man. And you are loved. Yeah. You are good enough. And I appreciate you being here, man. Um, this was incredible. I think we're going to do a lot more of these. Cool. And um, I want to help you in any way I can because I have the same passion as you. And I'm glad that we connected. I think yeah, it was meant I'm, to be. So I'm super grateful for this opportunity. It's awesome. Thank you. Thanks, brother.